Hello and welcome to the Crack and Banter podcast with me, Reese, and my co-host Luke. Luke, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, no, sorry, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, for sponsorship reasons, I'm now known as Luke Subway McCann. <laughs> yes, Subway, famous for uh, picking great men to sponsor and uh, oh, to represent yeah, their true. brand. True, yeah, yeah. <laughs> edit that out in post or I don't know keep it in because it makes me look bad <laughs> anyway this is a podcast where we like to talk about movies and tv shows and also pop culture stuff and also just have some ridiculous conversations as you've just heard uh this week we have a big episode but before we get into that we're gonna blast through the news very quickly there's only a couple of bits of news and they're actually both quite relevant to the topic we're gonna have today um, I have two pieces of DC news for you, Luke. The first one uh, is just a little, little bit of casting. We have the cast. Uh, P- Pierce Brosnan has been cast as Dr. Fate in the new Black Adam film with The Rock. Uh, I think that's meant to come out next year, maybe. And mm. Dr. Fate is a character I didn't really know much about, but looked him up uh, just before this, and he seems to just be a sort of magic-y guy. Uh, yeah. So I'm not sure what part that's going to really play. If he's going to be a sort of villain, or well, I don't know, because Black Adam is a villain as well. So I, I'm not sure. Uh, no, Doctor Fate's a good guy. He was a fine member of the Justice League, uh, oh, which, cool, which is cool. strange because I most of the movies you see you've seen recently is Pierce Brosnan. And, uh, he has played the villain, uh, well, with the exception of Mamma Mia. It'd be quite weird <laughs> funny if Mamma Mia had a villain though. Uh, <laughs> I would love it. Mamma Mia had a villain. Just, it, like, it's all fun. And then it just, and it one incredibly ominous character is just always <laughs> plotting the entire time. That would be great. Mamma Mia 3 was a serial killer movie. <laughs> really terrible. <technical. laughs> yeah. It's Mamma Mia 3, but it's like, it's like Saw. <laughs> yeah. you, you wouldn't even have to change the subtitle from the second movie. It could still be Mamma Mia 3, here we go again. <laughs> 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 yeah no it would need to be another abba song wouldn't it um what what would it be a, what's a villainous abba song uh, mamma mia three dancing queen <laughs> yes i mean i yes. will be the dancing queen <laughs> it's like a that's the villain's big plan is to become the the one true dancing queen <laughs> it's it, all i'm saying it's a bit weird from the lyrics are Young and sweet, only 17. Hold on, only 17. <laughs> Miss me with that, bro. Yeah, dodged, <laughs> dodged that lyric. <laughs> uh, but yes, Black Adam, I'm not really sure what that film's going to be about because, as I was saying, Black Adam is always a villain in the comics. I don't know if there's ever really much of him being an anti hero, but it seems they're going to do something more along those lines with The Rock. Uh, I can't see this being just like an outright villainous movie you know but i'm not sure what how it's gonna go i think it's probably just like he is he's one of those villains that's not quite as villainous he's villainous insofar as that he opposes shazam who is a hero but more in a way where he sees himself as a hero that he's the leader of his country is it right it's it's morally great i mean i don't think he's villainous in such a way well i mean he probably has but i mean how I've seen him pitched in media 
recently is that he's not like the sort of villain that's going to collaborate with obviously evil people like Lex Luthor and whatever. He has more of his own guy. So, I mean, you can do a movie like that. It's Yeah. Yeah, it's, true. It's, I, I don't really know much about uh, Black Adam anyway. I just knew he was, as you say, like a Shazam villain. So, yeah, I, I imagine they'll do something cool with it anyway. It's unlikely that The Rock is going to play someone who isn't charming in a movie, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I suppose it, as much as I love The Rock, you know, I don't think you can really accuse him of having shown range yet. I mean, he did yeah. play the villain and get smart, but I mean, he was only really playing that character villainous for about five minutes of the movie. I mean, it could mm-hmm. be good for him if he did a movie where he was a bit, where his charisma was a bit. Dark. Actually, what am I saying? He played a bad guy in his WWE, his last WWE run. Uh, before oh. <laughs> going off to Hollywood in the mid two thousands, and he was creating yeah. that, but he displayed. He, he just it was so great because it was just like a comic twist on the Rock character he played. Right, okay, like the Hollywood asshole version of the Rock. Yeah, where yeah. He would he would just get in the ring with a guitar and slag off whichever city he was in <laughs> by via um, the medium of song. Unbelievable. So but, yeah, 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 I think. Sorry, he can play a film, yeah. but. Uh, I think what you're saying, which would be cool, would be just like a slightly more nuanced character, maybe, Mm. you know, someone a bit less of that, like, Hollywood version of a character. He's not, like, the glamorous hero or the, like, classic villain, you know, like, laughing maniacally kind of villain, more of a a character with serious um, introspection, I guess. So, yeah, I I think this will be a cool role, though. It's nice for him to get into the superhero world. We've not quite seen that yet. He's, 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 he's tiptoed around it, and it's just, he's finally getting launched into it. I mean, let's face it, he's a real-life superhero, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's built, like, the brick wall, and he was a he was a high-level athlete. I mean, he's basically as close to sort of, like, peak human in terms of physical uh, <laughs> yeah, properties. Definitely. So, I mean... He's he's got the look basically is what I'm saying, and I mean yeah. What was it? He's called his franchise Viagra. So I mean, this movie will be successful no matter what, just because he's in it. I think he's been yeah, the definitely highest grossing movie actor in Hollywood for years. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I mean, I like The Rock in pretty much everything he's in, so I'm I'm happy to see this. Uh, yeah. But. Other big DC news was the Suicide Squad trailer, which just released like an hour before we started recording this. Um, so we both watched it just before we started recording. Um, didn't get a lot of reveals other than the big reveal, which is that Sylvester Stallone is voicing uh, King Shark, which <laughs> up until now we didn't have, we didn't know who the voice actor was going to be for that. Uh, so <laughs> it's Sylvester Stallone. By the looks yeah. of what we got in the trailer, it seems like he's probably not going to, be that much of a talking character anyway it seems like he might be kind of a big kind of silly brute kind of thing but uh, I like Sylvester Stallone obviously I think that's a funny kind of little role very underrated actor I mean you you watched Creed didn't you it's yes it was fantastic I mean I think there was maybe a perception for years that he was just cast in these big roles because he had the look and whatever but he has shown how good an actor he can be in a lot of roles yeah definitely I think he did he sort of he gets swept into that group of 
kind of uh, action hero actors who aren't incredibly good actors and you, it's very easy to lump them in with those uh you know like not to not to cast any judgment but maybe your vin diesels or those kind of those kind of guys it's easy to be like yeah and sylvester stallone you know and i kind of lump him into there but uh, he's really really talented he's in so many good things even he was in guardians of the galaxy 2 and he yeah. said some ridiculous crazy space words that i'm sure he had no idea what they were and he fully committed to that role anyway mm. <laughs> a role i guarantee he had no idea what it was and just showed up on the day and read a bunch of sci-fi words and uh, he was great in it i think i think ben diesel's underrated as well to be fair fair enough he's a big nerd as well isn't he ben diesel yeah yeah <laughs> likes his video games and stuff i think no i i actually think most people who maybe have the reputation of not being anything spectacular as actors haven't gotten the right role yet. I mean, you've yeah. seen it so many times where uh, you get actors who nobody would have thought of as a great thespian before, but then they get the right role and they can really shine. I mean, uh, sort of, no one would have thought of Adam Sandler as um, a serious actor, but then if you look, he's turned out a string of really great performances in serious movies like Punch Drunk Love, uh, Uncut Gems, and uh, mm-hmm. a few others. There was there was another one he did for Netflix uh, where, yeah. where he was it was about he played a character whose dad just died and it was about him and his brother dealing with it. I think uh, it's basically my point is is to get to that stage you have to have something and it's about the right movie which can let an actor shine yeah definitely um no i think that happens with like comedic actors a lot as well even like jim carrey is a perfect example where he was in hilarious movies and obviously everybody knew he was a great comedic actor but then he did like the truman show and other roles like that and suddenly you realize that he's an incredibly talented actor and you know no matter the role um so yeah i think that happens a lot with actors where it's not not quite typecasting but just yeah like you say it's just not the the perfect role and as soon as you get that perfect role it's it's crazy well i do hear people sometimes say that comedy is the hardest form of acting so Mm. if if you can turn your hand to comedy then you're pretty well equipped to do any sort of genre yeah i no, i've heard the same thing i've heard a lot of actors say it's it's much easier to go from comedy to more serious roles than the other way around yeah um so Al yeah, Pacino, I, Al Pacino nailed it though. Man, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sorry, I, I'm gonna have to praise praise Adam Sandler in one sense and maybe uh, dr- drag on him a bit in the other. But uh, Al Pacino's performance in Jack and Jill uh, was <laughs> the absolute highlight of that movie. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say watch Jack and Jill, but I'm just saying uh, watch the the Doug Pacino clip on youtube you'll thank me i i love i love the quote al pacino's performance in jack and jill <laughs> just that as a as a sentence is so beautiful to say that that is that that is one of your highlighted greatest performances of all time is al pacino's performance in jack and jill listen good performances in weaker movies can sometimes go on appreciate and i i <laughs> I'm not being hyperbolic or taking the best way to think say that that is a good performance. I mean, no, it was very easy, and plenty of actors have done it before in what might be 
a paycheck movie just for the end, but Al Pacino genuinely throws himself into that role. And Amazing. as a result, creates something worthwhile out of that movie. I sometimes think that there, there's a certain thing where you have these like very serious but incredibly famous actors whenever they do like a small cameo in a, in a comedic film where they will they will really ham it up because they're trying to impress the comedic actor who's there who is maybe a far less successful actor not I mean Adam Sandler's incredibly successful but even for like uh, I can't think of any other examples but you know if you're there and you've done you've done movies and plays and everything for like 60 years, you know, you're like Ian McKellen or something. And you're there with a young, very funny actor. And suddenly you're kind of the, the underdog in that scenario. And it's like, God, I really, I really hope I impress them. I really hope I make them laugh because their job is making people laugh. So suddenly those roles are reversed and you're like, okay, I'm going to really have to go for this here. Despite being, one of the most successful actors of all time. Robert De Niro, for someone who, I, I'm not going to claim to have extensive knowledge of Robert De Niro's filmography, but for someone who I am not aware of having done much comedy in the past, really matched, proved a great equal to Ben Stiller and Meet the Parents and then Meet the Falkers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Robert De Niro is very funny though as well. He's done a lot of yeah. funnier things sort of more recently and he is a really, really funny actor. It's, it's um, the comedic timing, I think, yeah. uh, re- really helps. If you've just got that, then it's such a big plus to putting to making those uh, roles work. And it's it's hard, I, I think, it's hard to play the straight man in a comedy. And yeah. Actually, do you want a good example of that? I, a pretty underappreciated movie, in my opinion, the Starsky and Hutch uh, movie from the the... I think it was the mid two thousands. Um, ben Stiller and Owen yeah, Wilson. Owen Wilson. Yes, yes. Uh, and out of those two, if you were having a straight man, neither of them are really a straight man. They're both. Uh, ben Stiller's a funny guy, and uh, Owen Wilson's acting style is pretty laid back. But I thought it mm-hmm. was interesting the dynamic they went for was having Ben Stiller, who was maybe the more natural comedian of the pair, to play the straight man. The yeah. Bad and have Owen Wilson as the more cool, groovy guy. And yeah. But it, I think it's almost like... I, yeah, I think it's almost like having that comedic skill makes you the perfect support. Is that I think it, it's also... I mean, I, I don't know this for a fact, but hearing people talk about improv, they'll say, a, like improv comedy, they'll say a similar thing where the more experienced uh, improviser out of a group will very rarely be the one who makes the joke it'll be the newer people who have like because they're they're just tapping it over the line you know like the the skilled comedian thank you thank you the skilled comedian is building the scenario for the punchline and then so they don't really get the laugh but because they have that timing and that skill they can set up the dominoes to fall perfectly whenever the less experienced person is like oh i see the joke now i get to say it kind of thing so I think I think it can work really well in that way and that's that's a good example of it is just having that awareness of when something funny is happening and how to build a scene around that uh, yeah I think very cool anyway so uh, this is an interesting topic and I could talk about bridges but I did drag us very far off topic 
<laughs> do you want to actually talk about the Suicide Squad, the Suicide trailer? Squad trailer? Yes, let's talk about the Suicide Squad trailer. I am very, very excited for this film. No, I, no. We didn't get a lot of big reveals, I don't think, other than the Stallone thing in this trailer. I, I think there's still a lot to be seen. Oh, and the, the villain, or one of the villains, is that big star-eyed creature, or starfish creature, <laughs> whose name I completely forget. It's Star Something. Um, that is the or was the very first Justice League villain uh, in the very first Justice League comic that was the villain they fought uh, that star something whatever it's called uh, I, I'm not familiar I can't help you it's it's a giant starfish with a big eye <laughs> I well, think yeah, it has mind control powers or something along those lines uh, I'm not sure it, there's been like a few different versions of it but that's it's a nice little nod that the first just it was the first Justice League villain uh, and then now it's in Suicide Squad. I think that's a nice reference. And it's just a ridiculous villain. So it's unsurprising that James Gunn has gone with that the same way he did like Ego in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, a villain that everyone would deem unusable in live action. And yeah. <laughs> James Gunn was like, it's so ridiculous, it's unusable. Put it in my movie. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> As he is prone to do. But no, I think this movie looks really, really yeah. good. I'm very excited. I this was already one of the films I was most looking forward to uh, mm-hmm. over the next year or so, and this trailer has just... It, it's, it's, it makes it... To me, it seems like it's everything I've wanted and more. It's, I can, it's just going to be batshit and scene. Sorry, pardon yeah. my French, but that's what I wanted. I wanted a Suicide Squad movie that was absolutely ridiculous. The characters are inherently funny. Just go for it. You can already yeah. see... Uh, skill of world world building and characterization that James Gunn's bringing from the Guardians of the Galaxy movie to Suicide Squad, and if the, if he can bring the same levels of com- comedy, it could be something special. And it also really makes me want to use an Americanism just because, uh, well, why not? An R-rated <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy movie would be yeah unreal. Having seen. Uh, those little snippets of Suicide, suicide Squad uh, just to see what he can do with unrestrained freedom. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I, I think, yeah, the R, R, rate, R rating, as we'll, we'll call it, for this um, sometimes just works so well. Sometimes not as much, which we'll get into in our topic. Uh, but I, I think for some things, and this as a perfect example, yeah, I really want to see I would love to see Marvel just try it out with some things now that they've got that freedom. Now that yeah. now that Marvel can put anything out and people will watch it, I think. Well, obviously we'll be getting Deadpool, which I can't imagine them making PG thirteen or whatever. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure we'll be getting some R-rated stuff in Marvel. But I think there's no point in just leaving it with Deadpool. Like if you're gonna do it with Deadpool, make a few mo- You know, every fourth movie or whatever, make it R-rated because. You know, you're 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 making enough money with the kids market. You can afford to lose a couple of viewers by making it something R-rated. Well, um, I, not, not not forced. I think if it's situationally appropriate, it makes a lot of sense. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, not not MCU, uh, but um, Logan, the yes. director, insisted that he wanted to go for an R rating because he felt. That it was necessary to convey the sort of grittiness of the movie to have the realistic violence just to have it yeah, that bit yeah. more impactful. Yeah, because it's really a problem. Uh, you can make a sort of 
PG slash 12 rated violence look good in terms of action, but it'll never have the same level of impact. You know, someone just gets punched or shot or whatever and they just fall to the ground. Yeah. It's not the same as that happening and really sense the punch, really hearing the punch or a splatter of blood coming from the gunshot yeah. window or whatever. It's just never going with the same level of impact. And that's yeah. The the biggest one for me, which again I, I want to talk about later, but um the biggest one for me I always find is I it, I lose so much of that impact in a movie when it's laser beams that don't actually do anything. They're just like sort of concussive blasts that basically just make someone fly through the air or push someone over a little bit. You know, if if you fire an a gun at someone. It's going to do far more damage. So why did this? Why does this advanced alien race not carry guns with bullets? Or if you shoot them, someone with a plasma razor, it's going to burn through at least their top layer of skin and flesh, if not right through their bones. So why does why do you know why does no one have horrific third degree burns all over their body whenever they fight? You know these characters with that shoot laser beams out of their heads. I think that's like the biggest thing for me that I, you know, and again. It's fine when it's the Avengers fighting robots or superheroes fighting each other and you can kind of, uh, you can suspend disbelief because they're all strong and, you know, they're all have abilities or whatever. But in a more grounded movie, like you're saying, something like Logan or whatever, when it's part of the vision, you you want to be able to feel those sorts of things, you know? Well, no, I'm not necessarily advocating for gratuitous violence. I think no, sometimes no. Uh, Gorgon... Sorry, I'm going to sound like such a uh, hand-wringing miser, miserer here, but I mean, it's sort of violence uh, as a way just to like, can, can feel grimy and dirty. Like, I watched, I watched like, it was, all, it was just channel surfing. I watched 10 minutes of this movie called uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. Uh, <laughs> high art yeah, uh, yeah. I, i'm sure it was a perfectly good film but i mean i just i can stick it because the violence yeah and I'm, not, I'm not shrinking by that i mean i just the even the sort of things i've done uh on my degree and stuff like dissect animals and whatever it, it i i'm pretty desensitized to blood and stuff but like i mean just the way the violence was being de- depicted made me feel bit queasy it was like yeah it, it felt voyeuristic in a certain way i don't really know mm-hmm. how to describe it but no i, I think that, I, I, I think just, that's definitely right it feels like it feels like you you're not really meant to be seeing it and obviously that for a lot of directors that would be the point it's to make you feel uneasy in a specific situation where you're meant to feel uneasy you know like the saw movies for example they're well, the I point of them being funny. high the point of them being ridiculously or at least the first film the point in it being so gory is that it's meant to really make you feel uncomfortable and feel like oh god what am i watching this is horrible that's another line you can cross the events just go so far it just looks yeah yeah dumb that's actually quite funny yes definitely it definitely works both ways um but yeah doing it just for no reason like i you know i was using the avengers as an example there I wouldn't want high gore in my Avengers films because I want to see the cool, glossy action sequences. I don't want to see blood splatters and be like half squint in my eyes to try and not quite see the big action scenes. You know, I want it to be glossy and and you know, uh, not not quite 
perfectly realistic I'm fine with that uh but yeah it's it's all about kind of vision I suppose and that looks like what we're gonna get with Suicide Squad it seems very James Gunn has just been allowed to run wild with it and I think that is definitely for the best oh that bit in the the where they were doing the projector thing to brief them the mission (laughs) (laughs) and King Shark sticks his hand up and goes hand hand yeah yeah no I'm sure this is gonna be good I mean really funny really good action yeah I can't ask for much more especially not from a Suicide Squad movie I think that is pretty much all you need in a Suicide Squad movie and I'm sure there's going to be more than that I'm sure there'll be great character development as well so I'm I mean I was already really excited for this I think this might have been one of my most excited things when we talked at the start of the year about our most anticipated I think this might have been mine or it was certainly up there um so I'm definitely looking forward to that I think it's going to be great but DC News leads perfectly into our topic for this week. Look, are you excited? I am. I have actually been looking forward to discussing about this. As have I. Ladies and gentlemen, our topic for this week, finally, after what feels like a lifetime, but realistically has been maybe 10 episodes, we are talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut. We are finally talking about it. It's finally come out. It's all been coming to this. I feel like we should just end the podcast after this episode. (laughs) (laughs) This is what it's been boiling up to. And boy, oh boy, that was definitely a movie that had some stuff in it. Had some ideas, definitely had some ideas. And oh, oh boy. Will we do a very quick spoiler-free thoughts before we get into it, same as we did with WandaVision? Yeah, I'll go first, because I feel like, from what you're saying, I might have the more positive reaction. <laughs> I would like to start by saying, I feel like I owe an apology to Zack Snyder. His vision was really mangled and taken apart by Joss Whedon. I feel like... Even if ultimately you didn't like this movie or his cut, you can tell what Joss Whedon essentially went in there and did. I'm not 100% blaming him because he had instructions on what to change the movie to by Warner Bros. But Joss Whedon essentially went in there with an axe and chopped up the movie and rearranged it into pieces to the point where the original movie didn't make sense. This is almost... Uh, with the same overall plot, this is about as different as you'd think a recut of a movie could be. Mm-hmm. I really liked it, actually. I would just say that I thought even scenes that were weak in the original that were included in this this cut, I thought seemed, were better just because they had more context to it. This is a movie compared to the original is a lot more coherent and doesn't try to dumb itself down for its audience compared to it's not an intellectual movie so I'm not saying that but <laughs> where the original tried to dumb itself down and do like I don't know fart jokes or whatever I can't remember the original <laughs> <laughs> or whatever this is a mature superhero movie it's which is somewhat of a rarity these days I feel like if you like Watchmen you would probably like this it's as mature and dark as I've seen a mainstream superhero movie go for a while I liked it you might not like it, but I would at least say 
it's way better than the original. And again, I apologize to Zack Snyder <laughs> because his original vision really was messed with. Yes, I will say, I will also apologize to Zack Snyder because he definitely, everything that was wrong with that first movie was not his fault after watching this. As you say, this was a completely different movie. So yeah, I would definitely agree. Everything that was bad with the original Justice League movie, I would say very little of it was down to Zack Snyder's vision. Uh, I didn't love this, but I would say it's worth watching. I actually could watch this. The the first Justice League, the original Justice League, I couldn't even finish. So, I mean, that already puts it miles above. I would say it's, it is worth watching. Uh for the experience alone of like this being a pretty as far as movies go pretty historic event for this kind of thing to be released um there's there, it, there's just so much in it it's it would be unfair to say that it was all bad because it definitely wasn't there was some stuff i really loved in this and some stuff that i just really really hated uh, but i would say a lot of it i was just indifferent to and then some parts I loved and some parts I didn't like at all. So I would, so overall it just fell a bit flat for me, but it's definitely not bad. And I, I'm still going to give it, I'm still going to recommend that you watch it. So I, I suppose overall that's definitely, I mean, compared to what the original Justice League was, that is about as glowing a recommendation as it could get <laughs> if you're, if that's what you're comparing it to. So I, I think it was, it was good. Definitely it edged its way into good for me. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's our spoiler-free review. Spoilers yeah. who? Oh, I, look, go say some things. Uh, yeah, no, I should say, I feel like just the only thing I love. Maybe if I'm just sort of looking at it from critical eye, I would say a lot of how positive my reaction to this was uh, did, did benefit from the fact my expectations were basically rock bottom. Mm. Um, I will start with what I thought was most improved over the original movie. And another person I owe an uh, apology to is the cyborg storyline really was butchered in the original. I thought it actually did, as was promised, form a big part of the heart of the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I genuinely, I didn't like cyborg in the original cut. I thought it was a bit of a whiny prick, but... <laughs> His journey from sort of hating his father and hating himself to accepting what this what his situation was and forgiving his father, I felt it was a lot more organic. It made a lot more sense in this new cut, and mm-hmm. I thought it was very well done. I, I honestly, th- that was one of my two favorite things about this movie. The other being Wonder Woman's character is still by a long shot the best thing DC have ever done uh, yeah. in terms of their movies any time her theme came on it just absolutely slapped you know the the, <laughs> the, the yes I, I want to say something about that but first just to say what you're saying I have I have a, a page of notes for this because I I took notes as I was watching it I feel like I did cast a pretty critical and pessimistic eye onto this film so my view is definitely going to be skewed because I I think to a certain degree I was being unfair on certain things that like were just silly but could have been ignored and I was just I was choosing to not ignore them just because I was uh, just being mean but I have written the cyborg stuff is amazing 
uh, it, that was absolutely my favorite part of this film. Uh, that was what I was saying that I loved. I I could have watched just a cut of like all of the cyborg stuff. It was yeah. so good, and I loved the like um, the sort of vision scenes that he has when he like interacts with the mother boxes and th- and stuff, or when he like goes in inside his head. I really really loved those scenes. Those sort of hyper realistic thing, or not hyper realistic, the opposite of that, hyper fantastic yeah. scenes. Um, I just all of that was incredible his character's so good um I, I really liked Cyborg in this yeah. uh Wonder Woman yeah as you said loved it uh I've got I've written a little a little bit on each character um would you like me to go through them uh yeah yeah is, sure, char- character is one well. of our uh, character is one of our categories for our quest for the best movie yeah. of all Car- time which we will characters have to do where I this. thought characters I thought were a real basically all of them improved in my eyes compared to the original cut uh yeah honestly i remember the original cut so so little that i feel like uh i feel like there's going to be so much of this that i won't remember whether it was in the original cut or not but it seemed to be a lot of new stuff yeah or a lot of stuff that was missing originally or at least changed uh i've written cyborg and i just drew a heart beside it because i absolutely loved cyborg so much (laughs) wonder woman is great Superman is also great. I, I really like Henry Cavill as Superman. I always have. And I thought he actually was really good in this for yeah. as little he's, as he was in it. His face looked normal. It was yeah. great to see him. That black suit is just chef's kiss. Yeah. Um, Superman is also great. Aquaman I, is fine. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, sorry about Superman quickly. Yeah, well, yeah. I know we'll go into this in better detail, but I don't I just maybe didn't pay attention to it because of the original cuts pernus or or maybe it was extended in this movie but that uh, action scene at the memorial when he's first reawakened I thought might have been the strongest action scene in the movie just yeah it gave you an idea of the sheer power of Superman that he was basically able to hold off what that point was the rest of the Justice League without <laughs> yeah. really trying no, I would say that's probably the best action sequence as well. Maybe that or Wonder Woman's introduction, which I really oh, yeah, loved. Yeah, I've yeah. written that down as well. Uh, Wonder Woman's introduction. Um, I like the use of her powers. I just thought was really good in that. I like the... I, I think it illustrated really well her strength and speed and all of that stuff. And it illustrated it perfectly to show that, like, she is incredibly strong, but she's not stronger or faster than Superman. But like, it's still miles above anyone else, kind of thing. Yeah, I thought it, it yeah. illustrated that really, really well in that first scene. Um, yes, Aquaman is fine. I've written. <laughs> I some moments I really liked, and then some moments it felt like he was just there to be contrarian. You know, like he was just there yeah. to be the asshole who's like, "And how do I know I could trust you?" Yeah. And it didn't feel earned and i think it's just because we don't know we didn't really know enough about aquaman at that point that it seemed like just a bit really is this the character we're doing you know the guy who doesn't trust the rest of the team it seemed very and i i guess it's because there are infinite you know the underdog team comes together movies and this is always one of the characters in it that it felt very like caricature almost in certain points he also uh, said in English, like. which uh, me and my estimation go down them, but I do still like the Aquaman character. I don't know if it's because Jason Momoa is hot or... 
I do still like the Aquaman character. I do I like the he... character. I think he's he was charming when he was just doing normal stuff. I think it's the writing. It was it was just certain lines. I think yeah. anytime it was just a normal interaction, I thought he was great. But it was when he said, you know, oh, and how do we know we can trust you? Or you know, I don't work with others. Like those kind of things, where it's like, ah. Uh, these are just this is just like lifted from a, a different script you know yeah. uh, and pasted in but i really i i, I love jason momoa's like portrayal yeah i feel like he probably had the least amount changed from the original mm-hmm. cut like i didn't maybe there was one or two extra small scenes but i didn't notice him having a whole lot of new uh material uh, yeah um and then a couple more characters batman i i really like ben affleck yeah. especially as Bruce Wayne. Batman is good, but for m- most of this movie, he is useless. And I know that's like an easy thing to say about the Justice League, like Batman is so under par in the Justice League or whatever. But usually in the Justice League, it's because Batman is a genius and he can do anything just as well as the rest of the Justice League with enough prep or enough uh, you know, tools at his disposal he will be an equal match for anyone else. And in this, God, when he's in that bat, he's just like panting over to people. He's like five minutes late to every fight unless he's yeah. in a vehicle of some kind. Yeah. And it's just, there's certain moments where you're just seeing him and it, he looks like he shouldn't be there. You know, he needs to be benched uh, in some of those fights. The, the only thing I would say, I suppose, is I think vaguely from the memory of Batman versus Superman, this is Batman quite far past his prime. I think this is older Batman. Like I think, yeah, this would be at the point where he would be thinking about handing over Batman to is it is it is is either Tim Drake or Dick Grayson in the comics takes over the mantle of Batman after uh, Bruce Wayne. So I think yeah. this is Batman past his prime, which also. It's not that well explained in Justice League, but I do think it is supposed to be Batman past his prime. Yeah, I think that I, I, I'm I fine with that. And like the parts I liked him the most in this was when he was Bruce Wayne or when he was talking and when he was explaining things yeah. and doing like behind the scenes stuff. And I think they should have just utilized him that way instead. Have him be, you know, I mean, they were never going to do that because you have to get Batman in the bat yeah. swinging about or whatever. So of course it was never going to happen. But yeah don't put him in those fights the point is batman is the smartest per- the smartest guy in the world he's meant to be the greatest detective of all time and like a super genius so he should know that he can't go into those fights he should prepare in a different way you know yeah um, it- his vehicles were pretty useful though like the bat crawler basically saved yeah. him in the the sewer scene yeah but that is batman's power in this is uh being, being rich, rich and have it, having stuff is, yeah. is his ability which it's not really meant to be to be fair in saying that batman being a a genius has never been done well in the movies i i think that's never really we've never really seen a version of batman who is a great detective so you know they're not the first people to get that wrong i think the difference is obviously in the dark knight christian beale was a young batman in his prime doing a lot of action yeah. and he wasn't kind of toppling over and they, they, running around I, with <laughs> I suppose they matched his threats quite well as though like his most powerful enemy uh physically just uh and those three movies was being who 
even for that movie, he was probably scaled down from what yeah. being classically is. Like, yeah, we well, didn't it, have the the venom that makes him like ridiculously yeah. strong or whatever. Yeah, so I mean, I think I feel like part of Batman working well is scaling the threats. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've, I, 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 yeah, you're right though. I think he maybe looked a little out of place in this film, but Ben Affleck probably um, did, did a lot of legwork and making a likable Batman. I think Ben Affleck yeah. is just a really solid Batman. I think it's a shame that's probably yeah. his swan think, song of Batman. Yeah, I think Ben Affleck also, he does a great performance in this of just, he just about wins me back round to why he actually likes Superman in this film and hated him, you know, a couple of months ago yeah. in the last film. Cause that's always been a problem for me, even in like Batman vs Superman as well. And then yeah. especially when he like flip-flops in this to be like, no, we need to get him back. And so for Ben Affleck to just about win me back over to that side is definitely like, that's yeah. just a great performance from Ben Affleck to, to be able to do that. So like, again, I feel like nearly all my problems with this are going to be with the writing, like pretty much every yeah. performance apart from one, which I'm safe until the end. <laughs> Apart from that, I feel like all the performances are great and it's just the writing that's kind of yeah. disappointing. Yeah. I, I would say as well, to be fair, though, I think with um, um, Batman versus Superman, I think I've not watched it, but I think the director's cut of Batman versus Superman reframes the dynamic between Batman versus Superman a lot better. Mm. Uh, I think I've said this before. The... The thing with the whole, this is this is an issue with a different movie. The whole <laughs> thing about the Martha, that that is stupid. The Martha thing is stupid. It was not well done, but the idea behind it was right. That it was trying to get a moment where Batman and Superman ultimately realize that whilst they have different methods of doing it, they ultimately have the same good intentions. Yeah. No, I think honestly the Martha thing apart from it being dumb, as you're saying, like the idea is, is totally sound. And that bit's not even really one of the problems with that fight. The problem with me in that, and I know this is a different movie, but um, the problem with me in that Batman vs Superman fight is that like, it was just a series of things that didn't have to happen apart from the fact that the movie needed them to fight. Do you know what I mean? Like Superman lands, you know, even the first time they interact uh, and Batman crashes the Batmobile and Superman and Superman basically warns him to stop doing what he's doing. At that point, Batman has no defenses. Batman's not wearing his power armor. Superman could just lift him up and fly him to a police station or, or take his mask off and reveal him to the world. Like, but Superman could do anything other than just being like, stop was, it. Was the point was, it wasn't that Superman had trucked with Batman. It's that Batman had trucked with Superman. Superman did respect Batman at this point, which is probably why he was holding himself back. I mean... I think from what you see in Man of Steel and Justice League, it's very clear that Superman not pulling his punches would basically be able to, f- with a flick, l- yeah. literally if he flicked him, uh, Super- Batman's uh, body would be torn asunder from the rest of him. I, yeah. I think um, I think that is, again, maybe not something that well explained, but probably Superman likely was holding back quite a lot. Yeah, I think uh, Superman, Superman, probably, especially Henry Cavill Superman, has 
some of the best restraint <laughs> any Superman yeah. has had. To be fair, Man of Steel does establish that. He is very yeah. good at restraining himself. Like, even when he's being bullied in school, he doesn't just, you know, like, again, absolutely <laughs> eviscerate them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's a different movie and different characters oh, who we actually just, like both of those characters now. <laughs> just, um, just before you get to the last one, because I feel like you're going to go quite harsh on those. Oh, no, I have, I have two more. I have two more. I have one that I, I, I dislike, but it's a very minor part and then i'm going to talk about the thing that i really don't like is one of them alfred because i wanted to talk about alfred oh no talk about alfred jeremy irons i, I really I like jeremy irons uh, my, my note for jeremy it wasn't even for alfred my, i just wrote jeremy irons is the best yeah. i i think jeremy irons is one of my favorite actors uh and yeah. every time every time i see him in something i'm like yes <laughs> and uh, i kind of forgot he was alfred until he appeared and i was like yes Yes, I love this character, and he was it was perfect the whole way through. It wasn't it wasn't trying to be and any other version of Alfred, you know. Um, it was a, a kind of new direction, but still very true to that character, and I just I liked it a lot. I would probably go as far as saying I think that's my favorite ever depiction of Alfred. I Michael Caine's a great Alfred, but it did feel a lot like Michael Caine just playing Michael <laughs> yeah. Caine. I I thought I think. That is probably the best Alfred I've seen on screen. I really I agree. And... I agree. And I think it's also, uh, as you were saying about like Ben Affleck playing the sort of the this more mature Batman who you can imagine he's been doing this for 30 years or whatever. I like that Alfred's kind of it matches that. Like you can imagine this is an Alfred who know they know each other incredibly well. And Alfred is not given up on talking him out of stuff, but just like they kind of are both on the same page now. Bruce has learned most of the lessons he needs to learn, you know? Yeah. And Alfred similarly kind of knows how to talk to him normally. There isn't those big Michael Caine monologues of Master Wine, you have to learn to do, you know? And he goes on some mad story about something random that happened to him in the war or whatever, you yeah. know? It's just him being a good Alfred. And I really, I liked that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was just, it's a little detail, probably the meanest and the grand scale of things, but it was something like where it just cut back to Alfred whilst uh, the rest of them were away at Chernobyl, where mm-hmm. he was just fixing a classic car and was like, that's nice. yeah, that's a great piece of characterization. That is yeah. what you've been doing. Yeah, and even, even like when the Justice League leave and you see Alfred pour himself a glass of whiskey and it's that yeah. thing of like, yeah, he's not he's not just Bruce Wayne's butler. Like, Bruce Wayne is a grown-up man now, and Alfred is his friend, you know? Uh, And, like, especially this version, this is probably one of the most similar in ages that, like, Alfred and Bruce Wayne have been. Uh, There's usually, like, a much bigger age gap. So you can imagine, like, yeah, Alfred doesn't need to have his own separate whiskey that's in the outhouse where he lives. He could, you know... They're they're just friends, and Alfred can make himself at home in the back cave and sort of that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it's, th- it's those little details that like you can really imagine. It feels like a lived-in world, uh, yeah. especially with those characters. Yeah, yeah, just because it's probably a good place to say to talk about this because it mm-hmm. probably won't come about naturally any other point. <laughs> uh, just because the whole bat family idea, I, a little snippet that was mentioned in the nightmare scene. Yeah. Uh, I think that the Joker maybe says something I can't remember. 
uh, he talks about people dying in Batman's arms, and I think it's a very clear reference to Jason Todd. So we can oh, actually yeah, assume yeah. at this point, uh, Nightwing's out there somewhere. Jason Todd has... Jason Todd doesn't die, actually. He becomes the Red Hood, so maybe yeah. the Red Hood's in this, mate. Maybe, I don't know. I but think, there I think is the Robin... Yeah, I think the Robin that dies, I could be wrong, but I think Zack Snyder or someone at Warner Brothers confirmed that it wasn't Jason Todd because in uh, Batman vs Superman, we see the the Robin costume and it's got the spray paint on it. Um, And I think it was confirmed. They were like, no, that's not Jason Todd. But that, Mm. that could just be a lie. But I feel like that was a thing. So it's one of the other versions. But yes, it, I think it's it's more than implied because I think he also says how many boy wonders have to die, which is a, a direct reference to Robin. So it's yeah. one of the Robins is dead. <laughs> that yeah. much we know. Um, I think what would be interesting is definitely been Robins as well, or Barbara Gordon has oh, yeah. become Batgirl and then later Oracle in this Oracle, one. Oracle, yeah. That would be great. And Jim, then we get Jim some more Gordon. J.K. Simmons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was sort of like, that looks like J.K. Simmons. Is that J.K. Simmons? <laughs> and I looked up at Walsh and just thought, good for him. He's found his way into another major yeah. superhero every, franchise. Every time, every time an actor I like comes up, came up in this film, which was more times than I realized, I was, every time I was like, yes. Um, it's a big cast. Willem Dafoe is in this. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he might just being the proper Aquaman movie, though, I think that's like kind of just you had individual elements of the characters in there that have had solo movies, yeah, like, yeah. And like uh, Lo- Lois Lane and uh, Martha Kent from Man of Steel, uh, the Amazonians from Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. and uh, as you said, the uh, like oh, I lost track of that. Oh, yeah, Will- <laughs> Willem Dafoe, uh, and uh. Mira from Aquaman. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Willem Dafoe and Mira, like that's his character's name. <laughs> he just plays himself in Aquaman. Pretty much does like Yeah. He's got a he's got that gremlin-y fish face. And I mean that's yeah. a compliment. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it does look like someone who lives under the sea. Yeah. I don't know if that's been or not. No, there are there are actual pick- there are actual fish people in Aquaman and Willem Dafoe looks more like a fish person than they do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, yeah. uh, that's not anything mean to say. Willem Dafoe is incredibly handsome. Yeah. He just also has a sort of face that you could believe he might live under the sea. That's why yeah. I can never believe that they gave him that stupid Green Goblin motorcycle helmet in Spider-Man. Willem Dafoe has the Green Goblin's face already. He has yeah. a goblin face. And they were like, what if we just cover it in a ridiculous helmet? Why? Green. Just paint him green. He has the perfect face. That, I think, why uh, else would you get Willem Dafoe to play the Green Goblin? Sorry, now I'm angry about yeah. Spider-Man. Why yeah, would you get thinking. Willem Dafoe to play the Green Goblin and then cover his face up? Uh, those were good movies. Those uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. Mm. I just think one of their weaknesses is everyone outside of Spider-Man himself had a bad costume. Yeah, yeah. And I love that Tobey Maguire Spider-Man costume, but everything else. I mean, the the Doc Ock costume is it, that's a hard one to get wrong, really. Uh, I like the trench. I like the trench coat and the glasses. The topless thing was kind of weird, though. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I don't, there's no reason Doc Ock needs to wear a shirt, but <laughs> yeah, it well, also feels weird. It's kind of like 
look, I know you're a villain, but do you really think this is appropriate dress for a professional <laughs> relationship? <laughs> yeah, that's that's I that's can the see your nipples. That's that's the octopus arms talking to him. They're like, sorry, I know this. Listen, I know we're evil and like manipulating your mind. Could you just like pop a shirt on? For, <laughs> like just while we do this, we're going into a bank. I mean, we're going to rob a bank, and like we sort of have this this you know evil classy vibe going and we just we'd really if you could just class it up a little bit Alfred Molina not, <laughs> listen first first uh your initial first impressions matter uh mm-hmm. you're not going to get alone with your nipples out <laughs> like PSDs might make it weirder but at least you won't have your nipples out <laughs> listen yeah. Spider-Man is all quips he's all quips that guy if you have no shirt on we can't come on. We can't let him make jokes at us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Justice League and back to my character, uh, my character investigation. Uh, one, this was a tiny role, but Martian Manhunter looks awful. I, this is just my opinion, but I, I think I hate that look for that character. I think it looks really bad. I, I would agree the look looks bad, but I. In his little cameos, I did quite like the character. I thought the character was was well written. But I, I thought the character was fine. Yeah. I really, I really hate that look. I think he looks pretty good in the Supergirl TV show. Uh, or at it. least it, it looks fine. I mean, it, it looks like a TV show, but it's it gets it right. You know, that if you just did that and updated it to make it like movie quality, that would have been perfect. I I suppose it does match the tone of this world because I actually there are very few of the costumes I like apart from I like the Batman costume the Superman costume and the Wonder Woman costume but all of the like newly introduced characters I think all of them actually look pretty bad um but I they do all match the the tone like that Zack Snyder tone so I guess that's why it does kind of make sense I would say Steppenwolf not Ooh. necessarily a triumph in character design. Looked a no. hundred times better than he did in the yeah. original movie. Much better, much better. He there was there was glimpses like once or twice. There was a couple of scenes where there was just a little glimmer of like purple on his armor. And every time I saw it, I was like, oh, they've put some color into this giant gray villain. And then and then every other scene it was just gray and silver. I was like, mm. so close. You were so he kind, of like, he kind of looked like the first mate from the Flying Dutchman, you know, in Pirates of the Caribbean, the Hammerhead oh, guy. Oh yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good reference. Um, yeah. But yeah, lots of grey villains in this again, and just I don't know why they keep doing it. Dark Side looked okay. I will give him that. But he he looked better than I thought he would. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I thought I I thought he just looked kind of. Re- ridiculous yeah uh, but he, he, he did at least have the look of sort of like uh, an intergalactic war chieftain yeah uh, the look suited him it wasn't it's maybe the sort of one if you thought you know you're going to have a film where dark side was the main well obviously he was the main villain in this but like he if he had more screen time you'd probably hope they would look a bit yeah. better than that but you know i suppose we we have to yeah because we have to cut it slack because in fairness obviously the comparison is like Thanos in the MCU but 
it took them a lot of movies before they nailed that Thanos look down as well. Oh, so Thanos that is horrible. Yeah, show. I mean, in Avengers, he looked absolutely awful. And then Guardians of the Galaxy 1, it was like almost there. But even then, like the armor wasn't really good. And it wasn't it wasn't what we got in the end. And then obviously, by the end, we got a, a very recognizable and yeah. sort of cool looking character that fit with the rest of the world. So you have I to think- give them... A, a grace period on on those sorts of characters that are like only short appearances in certain films. I think the expressiveness helped. Uh, Thanos was definitely full mocap. I'm not mm-hmm. sure uh, those CGI characters in Justice League were. Maybe they were. They didn't look full mocap to me. No, it definitely at the very least, even if it was mocap, it it wasn't like the actor's face painted on. Whereas Thanos, yeah. like you can see Josh Brolin in Thanos. Whereas yeah. these characters, yeah, as you say, even if it's mocap, it kind of anyone could have done it. Like they could have just provided voice, and it would have been fine, you know. Yeah. Um. So, oh well, it's not like we're seeing any more of these movies, or are we? Who knows what the fans will demand? No, there's one character I still have to talk about. I mean, there's there's lots of characters in this. This is this movie has so many characters, but of the Justice League. Now, I originally wrote. For my for my one phrase on the Flash, I had written, "The Flash is a dumbass." Now, that was that was about halfway through the movie when we had sort of been introduced to the Flash. I watched the rest of the movie, and I had to correct myself. I thought, "Do you know what? That was an unfair. That was an early judgment." And I had to go back and uh, I I changed my my conclusion and I've, I've inserted the flash is an insufferable dumbass <laughs> i knew i knew that was going to be the punchline <laughs> I, knew, I thought i could have maybe believed it if he had had a slightly positive opinion but there's no way he's come round to thinking the flash is brilliant i really hate the flash in this i like one thing i really like to its credit I really love that flash uh, effect, that that super yeah. speed effect. I really, really like, and I loved his scene at the end, like the running back through time scene. I really liked that. Yeah. Everything I, about the flash, I just hate. It is insufferable was the perfect word. I really, oh, he had, I, well, I think, one joke that I did laugh at, and I can't even remember it. Everything else he said, I just wanted, wanted to punch him so hard. But, I would say, because I was one of the Flash's big detractors, I did not like the Flash in the original cut. I'm, again, I'm not going to come around and say I really liked him after this. I thought, maybe this is set in the bar, though. I thought he was far better than he was in the original. <laughs> uh, I thought, at the very least, his character was probably, I was closer to feeling about how, him in the original than, than you are now. Like, I, I thought he was completely insufferable in the first movie. I thought he was diluted enough in this movie that his presence didn't bother me. And some of his scenes had a certain level of charm. I thought that initial scene with him in the pet shop and then saving who I presume is Iris. Yes. Uh, and the and that first scene where he's introduced, I actually quite liked that scene. I thought it was pitched at the right level. He was funny, but in a way that was naturally goofy and... Uh, credit to whoever was playing Iris and credit to Ezra Miller. They managed to have a certain level of chemistry without actually ever mm-hmm. saying anything. That scene was probably... I think that was the first scene he was introduced in. That was probably, unfortunately, where he peaked 
Oh, actually, no, his, his interactions with his dad were good when he showed a bit of vulnerability. Yeah. So uh, I think no, it's a I character think... that could work, but on you're, the whole, you're right, it didn't work. You're definitely right about that thing of, like, uh, that natural goofiness, but the problem for me was every time he started being goofy and I could just about sit into it and be like, yeah, this is a naturally kind of goofy guy, you know, uh, in line with, well, that's not really like a Spider-Man, but as the closest kind of approximation, uh, a silly, goofy, clumsy kind of guy. And every time it started being naturally and believably goofy, he would just push it so far into ridiculousness so fast. Every time I'd be like, oh, that's quite funny. This is this is quite good. And then he'd just be like, and then, and what even is that about? I mean, it's like, oh, no, 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 I got it. And oh, I was like, no, stop. You should have stopped four sentences ago when this was still a believable person that could exist. Also, <laughs> The Flash, uh, I think I said this whenever we talked about Justice League before, like weeks ago, but I couldn't remember because I, I couldn't remember the film. The Flash, you gotta stop falling over. Oh my God. <laughs> Why is he falling over? No one else in this film falls over apart from maybe Batman when he's tired. Everyone else in this film can stand on their feet. The Flash, your ability is running fast and seeing the world in slow motion. You cannot trip on things. You cannot do it. It, it cannot happen, and it happens three, at least three times, one of which he accidentally tackles Aquaman over, and they're both out of the fight for the rest of the game what why is that why is it only happening to the flash <laughs> sorry it's just uh, that little bit where he talks over aquaman aquaman's reaction is quite funny though yeah <laughs> he's genuinely scared of aquaman <laughs> yeah uh but yeah i agree i i feel like i mean maybe it's the way it's contextualized for us doing it but when you can perceive everything in hyper slow motion Surely it should be harder to trip over than it would just be normally. Yeah. I think the problem is, even though the world moves in slow motion, the Flash is still a dumbass, so it doesn't matter. Because He's a dumbass in slow motion. Well, yeah, because the, there's bits where the world moves in slow motion and he can move normally, but he still moves in slow motion anyway. So, like... He's looking back at Superman. Whenever Superman dodges out of the way, he looks back at him in slow motion and doesn't turn his head around in time to not tackle Aquaman to the ground. But he he should and could because we've seen him move fast when everything else is in slow motion. So why does he choose at this point to be distracted? I know why, because he's a dumbass, as I've said several times. This Flash Spoof. is the worst and I Spoof don't deal. like him. The only thing is for him to go at the highest speeds, it really, he really has to push his body. Uh, so, um, maybe that's why sometimes he doesn't go as fast as he can, so as not to damage himself. Uh, but again, maybe I'm just making excuses for him. But it's it was hard to get a grasp on the Flash in this movie. Yeah, like his power levels and stuff. Just, yeah, because it, it it felt like it adjusted to what the plot needed. Yeah, all, yeah, definitely. Because the bit at the end where he gets shot, 
we are also supposed to believe that at that moment he is going the fastest he can go like he, he he literally says i'll need to go faster than i've ever run before to generate that level of electricity or energy but he still manages to get shot if he's going that fast he is approach uh, approaching the speed of light which means he will not be in the same place for more than an instant there is no way that that parademon could line up that shot to shoot him in time and i know that's a bit of a picking at, at plot holes but as a director or a writer you should find another way to put him out of action besides someone getting a lucky shot off on him pulling the hammer yeah yeah that at least like as much as as i said this flash is stupid that would have fit in with this character's with this character's you know being an idiot that at least would and i know that that would be a bit silly but having him be shot is ridiculous like that would simply wouldn't happen or i certainly can't believe that that would happen and that sort of i find it hard to suspend my disbelief for that I also think- I, I should say the flash is one of my absolute favorite characters so i feel like that is probably why i'm taking this as a personal attack mm. i really really like the flash and just in this film i oh so disappointing <laughs> i actually believe at those speeds now i have a limited knowledge of physics i actually believe if you're going that fast you would just be as through matter I, well, I, that's sort of what i think as well because unless i suppose a, a a physics argument could be that he is simultaneously in all of those places at an instant and none of them at an instant because he's traveling that fast i suppose that could be your other argument is that like Actually, at that speed, it's guaranteed that he would be in that position when you fire the laser. I suppose. I don't know. It kind of feels hard to work out. What I would say is I do think having seen, as I said, those two scenes with him at his job interview and him talking to his father, I think, I don't know if they're still making the Flash movie. I think if you give it to a good director and writer, there is stuff to work with there. Yeah, I think think Ezra Miller is a good actor again, and I think if like yeah like you said it's a good director good writer and it's styled back a little bit he like he'll definitely pull it off i think he he's he doesn't always act like that you know he's acted in serious roles so there's no reason he's not going to be able to not be a goofball so i I think it's like he's i think it's good casting and ezra miller is a pretty funny uh, actor i think as well so yeah i think I don't think there's any reason to like recast any of these characters apart from the fact that Ben Affleck, I don't think wants to do this anymore, but mm. all the other actors I think are, are good. And I think they're yeah. all like, all these characters are good as well. So uh, like, there's no one in this movie who I wouldn't want to see again, apart from yeah. Amy Adams, Lois Lee. And I really don't like, but that's, that's not her I, fault. That's, I think yeah. That. That's by, that's by no means her fault at all. Um, they give her nothing to do in this film until they give her everything to do. And then, we're still meant to believe that like she is the reason that the world falls apart and goes to apocalypse. Even though we have like seen her do nothing in these movies is well, really unfortunate. I feel, I feel so sorry for that character because Lois Lane is like a crazy good character in the comics and she does like so much, just so much stuff. And it, yeah. I, I feel really bad for that character in this. I should actually say, um, I was reading about what brought about the nightmare uh, universe that you see at the end is actually mm-hmm. because it's not because Lois Lane actually 
brings it about directly. No, she no. unfortunately again is used as a plot device, and what happens is Dark Side kills um, Lois Lane and then uses the anti-life equation on Superman, and basically Superman under his control because Lois right, Lane okay. dies. Yes, so, uh, I, I, assumed it, I assumed it was something to do with Lois Lane dies, and then that's what makes Superman snap. Um, but that she makes is, sense with the anti-life equation because I, I also a human-shaped plot device. Yeah, uh, because I did also find it hard to believe that even, uh, like, as much as you know, it's said like Lois Lee, Lois Lane is the key to Superman's heart or whatever. I still find it hard to believe that Superman would just snap if she died and like just turn bad straight away. So that that anti-life equation thing that does make sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, I actually I like that nightmare scene. This is. This is the big apology I have to make, Luke, if you want to talk about the nightmare scene, because I the very last note I've written is, well, I loved the Joker. <laughs> I absolutely loved Jared Leto's Joker in that nightmare scene. And I know it was flamboyant and crazy and over the top, but I really, really liked it. So actually, I'm not going to apologize to Jared Leto because I still think he's a weird, mad guy. So I'm not going to apologize, but... Uh, more so just uh, the, the character of the Joker, I will apologise to. If we had to see you be weird in the Suicide Squad movie just so we could see you be cool in this, I'm, I'm happy to have done it. I really, really liked that Joker portrayal. And it was very, it was very Heath ledger but I, I really, I liked it a lot. No, I see, this is where, I, I feel like this is the one I'm popular opinion on about this movie because I've seen everyone up in the scene. Charlie Lee's Joker still doesn't work for me. I thought yeah. Batman carried the strength, the emotional strength of that interaction. The mm. only I thought his laugh was pretty good. It was, <laughs> actually, it's how I think the Joker should laugh. It's not a funny laugh. It's just a laugh designed to wind people up and get on their nerves. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I still didn't get. I still didn't think it was a good portrayal of the Joker. I, Fair enough. I, I don't get it, is basically what I'm trying to say. I'm never phrasing <laughs> it. I still don't get it. That's maybe just my fault. I, I mean, I'm not going to say by any means it's my favourite Joker portrayal. I think there are many better Joker portrayals, but I think certainly compared to the Suicide Squad version, but also just generally, I thought this it was still good. Like, I'd, I'd be happy to see that Joker in a Batman movie. I feel like the reason I liked it was he finally... Felt somewhat like a match for Batman, or at least felt like they had this history, and Batman was intimidated by him as much as he was intimidated by Batman. Like the Suicide Squad version, there was no way Batman wasn't beating him, you know? Like he was gangster in there. Yeah, exactly. He was dumb and he wasn't smart. He was just like, he was just like a guy playing GTA. Whereas this, it felt like, oh, yeah, this feels like a this feels like a guy who's done real damage before and like who Batman sort of gets that you shouldn't cross or you shouldn't get on the wrong side of because he is going to do See, something bad or I, crazy. I don't actually say it. I think Batman's fear of the Joker is not a fear of the Joker. It's a fear of what he'll become if he ever actually does kill the Joker. Yeah. Whereas I think yeah. the Joker's fear of Batman is very, very real. Especially yeah, yeah. when Batman says, and this might be my favorite line in the movie. So I'll break the sort of informal no swearing rule for once. When Batman says to him, 
and make no mistake, I will fucking kill you. Yeah, yeah. That is the first time. I, I, probably I'll give credit to Jared Leto here because he does portray this emotion well. That is the first time I think in any medium I've seen genuine fear across the Joker's eyes because I think yeah. in that moment he realizes Batman is not lying. And I really liked that you see the sort of the facade as he has this confidence and then it goes and you see the hand start to twitch and then you see it stop as he sort of composes himself again. And you can see that like, yeah, the Joker, as much as he is crazy, he lets on to be much crazier than he is. He lets on yeah. this flat, this laissez-faire, I'm just a wacky guy who does whatever. And then he's like, oh shit. <laughs> when Batman says that, you can see that like, oh no, that's, uh, okay, I'll behave kind of thing, you yeah. know? Um, and I, th- I think that was why I liked it because it was this, it was a, a different enough Joker, but didn't feel like the edgy hot topic Joker. So I, I was yeah. like, for for him to only be in, you know, five minutes of the movie, I was like, that's the perfect amount and uh, exactly what I needed from this Joker. And now we'll get just a different one in the future. I, I'm happy to leave this Joker there. Like it didn't make me, I wasn't dying to see more after that. I'm happy to, honestly, I think the Joker should just be rested for a while and get some, because there's plenty of Batman villains that we haven't seen. So I'm happy for the Joker to rest for a little bit until there's like a incredibly good actor comes along to portray him. Or until they finally until they finally give Mark Hamill the live action role because oh god he deserves it. It's probably too old. Not as I I love Mark Hamill's career, but I mean I feel like the time to yeah. do that would have been uh, twenty years ago probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, have him. Uh, like I'm saying this as in to have him play an old man Joker who has existed for years and he's just like a background character, or whatever you know, just as like a cameo. But yeah. I just, I just feel like he deserved. I would just love to see it. And Mark Hamill, for anyone who doesn't know, Mark Hamill has voiced the Joker in the Batman cartoons and animated films for years and years and years. And uh, he is probably my favorite Joker. Um, at least in those animated films, he just, he's like the classic Jokery kind of voice that Heath Ledger kind of has become the standard now. But that was actually a very big departure for what the Joker was at the time it was much more of that mark hamill kind of thing that influenced it so uh just for for the respect alone i feel like he deserves just a scene where he's sitting in a dark room and maybe it's like maybe there's a new joker and he's you know the old joker and he's passing on the torch or whatever or he's you know uh intimidating some other gangsters in gotham or whatever just something where we see him again that would be a very cool uh role for mark hamill to play i think i was kevin there is, there is a fear, I feel, with um, Batman at the moment, and that is actually making full use of the rogues gallery. Yeah, definitely. Bane and Joker appear to be the two go-tos. Uh, you occasionally use Scarecrow when you want it to be a bit darker, but, I mean, no one's, no one's given a good go at Penguin or the Riddler for a while. I think the Batman Arkham game should... That you can make them in a way that works in a modern setting. Mm-hmm. Well, Riddler's a psychopathic, yeah, uh, yeah. self-absorbed. Uh, it's not a serial killer, actually. Really. I don't know what sort of criminal Riddler falls under. He just wants to get puzzle, the best puzzle boy. He's, his crime is puzzles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, Whereas, they're they're using the penguin in the Batman. Is it Colin Farrell? 
Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, this is. I feel like I'm excited for that. I'm not sure they're going to work. Colin Farrell is far too handsome to play the penguin. They're going to. Oh, have you not seen him with like the prosthetics and all on? He looks no, no. He looks really, really different and pretty gross. But I love I love Colin Colin Farrell. I think I mean I never would have picked him as the penguin. So I'm just excited to see that role because I mean Colin Farrell's great. So. Danny DeVito was the pitch perfect cast. Oh, yeah. And he did get to play him. I'm not sure sure. if I actually ever watched it. Yeah. That movie. Really? That old Batman? Yeah, I I did appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's just, I mean, it's just silly and very Tim Burton y, but it is creepy. Like, yeah. I did appreciate some of the ideas he tried, like with the Mm -hmm. more, because the penguin isn't actually usually in scene. The penguin doesn't go to Arkham Asylum when he gets arrested. The penguin goes to Blackgate. He's not in scene. Uh, so having the crazier twist than the usual penguin and actually making him look like a penguin yeah. uh, and sort of having Catwoman now again is and it's it's probably closer to the canon to be fair Catwoman now is more of an anti-hero who's a love interest for Batman but trying to Catwoman who was a real villain mm-hmm. uh, I thought was a very cool idea yeah um no, I also actually I haven't watched uh, the last few seasons of Gotham, but I watched it originally when it came out. Watched the first few seasons. Uh, the Penguin in that is actually quite a good portrayal as well. Um, yeah. I quite like him as sort of this starts off as this Weasley, just you know doing anything to get by, and then becomes the a big crime boss. I really like that um, that version of the character. But yeah, the Penguin's great. I'm I'm happy to see him back in the next Batman movie. We've talked about most of the characters there. Do you want to give us a score for the quest for the best movie of all time? I'll do a little explanation of what that is in case anybody missed. But uh, we have a a new semi-recurring segment. Anytime we do a review of a movie or a TV show, we do our quest for the best movie of all time. Last week, we talked about WandaVision and we did the best TV show. And uh, basically, we have a series of categories, each with a score out of 10. Um, and then that gives us a final score out of 50. Uh, basically, over over time, over the rest of this podcast, we will gradually fill a list with our movies and their scores. Uh, eventually, of course, finding the greatest movie of all time. So one of our first category is characters. Will we fill that in now that we've finished talking about the characters? What do you think? Yeah, I thought characters was a real strength of this movie. They were well cast. They were well acted. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are pretty good writing I'd say as well I'd, I'd be more than happy to give that an 8 I would give that an 8 as well yes I, I should say characters here we're talking mainly about like performance and uh, like the portrayal of the characters so I think 8 is definitely good because as I was saying there's no one there's no one in this who I would recast or do differently per, per se um, so I think characters are, are a strong definitely a strong sit in this film alright now uh, we'll go through the rest of the categories, but feel free to spend some more time talking on them. We don't have to just give the score straight away. Uh, the next category is direction. Uh, and you definitely can't fault this being Zack Snyder's vision. I mean, obviously, that's where it, that's how it all came about. And it is definitely a Zack Snyder film, possibly one of the Zack Snyderiest films I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I did oh, make yeah. a note. I did make a note saying. I had no idea there were so many songs that sounded like the song Hallelujah, but weren't. <laughs> um, because every every song that played in this film, I was like, is that 
nope. <laughs> they did. They put that in the credits, though. They did put it in the credits. I know. I was waiting for it the whole movie, and then it didn't happen until the credits. I was raging. I was waiting for it. Yeah. It sort <laughs> um, of felt like um, several Zack Snyder movies boiled down into one. I could see elements from his previous films, like obviously yeah, Batman versus Superman, Man of Steel, probably <laughs> not. Yeah. Yeah. But I could see the. I mean, I think a lot of his vision for superhero movies was colored by what he did on Watchmen. Like, yeah. It's obviously, it's not as dark as Watchmen, I'm going to say that for a second, but you could see, as I said, I think this is as dark as a superhero, mainstream superhero movie's gone in a while. I mean, I know Logan was more, was gorier. Um, No, I would say definitely. Deadpool was dirtier, but this had quite dark themes running through it. Yeah, I would say, like, excluding some of the TV series, you know, like uh, Daredevil and the Punishment, Punisher, and, like, even the new Watchmen series and stuff. Yeah. But as far as, like, the blockbuster movies go, I would say, you're, I mean, I, I can't think of one that was darker than this. It was very, it felt very, like, it, it was meant to be character-driven, but I think it did suffer from too many stories, maybe, at certain points that, like, I, yeah. I wanted to spend more time with certain characters, you know, um, yeah. which I think would have really benefited it. But the parts that we got, like the character-driven stuff we got, was definitely what made this so much better than the original. Like that was what stood out for me in this film was like the plot was being driven by the characters rather than the plot, which I thought yeah. it suffered from in the previous film. At least the, the storylines, even if there were too many, I didn't come away not understanding them. There was yeah, yeah. ample time to explore them, whereas you had the same number of storylines in the original cut, but you yeah, like, what, two hours less for them wow. to be explained. They didn't make sense in the original movie, and that's part of the reason why it was such a jumbled mess. You didn't actually yeah. know what half the movie had been about. I suppose we didn't we didn't actually talk about the this is this was a four hour long movie. Did you, how did you feel? Did it feel like four hours? I, I know you split I, it up. I, I split it up as well. But um, again, I, I might be biased because I split it up. I thought it justified the runtime. I thought, I, I thought it flowed very well, actually, from scene to scene. Um, mm-hmm. it, didn't, it didn't feel like a four hour movie. I would probably recommend, if you not what, well, I'm not saying don't do it, but you might feel differently about it if you watched it all in one four hour thing. You might, feel like that is bloated but i thought yeah certainly there was enough material to justify the runtime and yeah i thought it was maybe nice for a change to see a superhero movie tech it's time i feel like a lot of them mm-hmm. are officially sometimes try to pack themselves in too tight that's not to say yeah. every movie should go this long uh, i think i've said before in this show that there are movies that are too long they don't justify the runtime but I, as i said a movie has no definite right length it's just does it justify its runtime the way inception yeah. justified being three hours did this justify being four hours and i think it did i say it did yeah there was def- like there was nothing in this that i would take out to make it shorter i do think there's maybe there's maybe some things that just could be like written slightly more efficiently if that makes sense to make it just a, a more not even coherent because it was coherent but just maybe flow slightly nicer so instead of you know 
go into one place just to go to another place so that you can go to this third place, you know, to have that all kind of run more, uh, more fluently. I, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty minor thing for me. Uh, I think that, yeah, like I said, the four hours was definitely justified and I wouldn't, I don't think I would have taken anything out. So I think four hours actually, I was expecting it to be much worse than it was. Like, to be fair, even when I turned it, I watched this in, in two sittings, but even when I turned it off, like I could have kept watching apart from the fact yeah. that it, I had to do other stuff. You know, I, I didn't feel like, God, this has been a long two and a half hours. I should turn this off now. You know, I was like, uh, I could watch this next bit. I probably would have to turn it off soon, but I don't, I, I felt like I could have kept watching. So I, yeah, I definitely justified it. Um, direction though do you have a score in mind i would say i mean it, i think it's it tips into the the positive end of the scale i think for just being a director's vision like like we were saying you can't fault that i feel like i didn't there weren't as many cool shots in this i feel like as in other Zack snyder films you know i think i, I like praise Zack snyder on his shots in the batman vs superman in one of our recent episodes but I feel like in this, there wasn't quite as many moments where I was like, oh, yeah, that's spectacle, you know? Um, I would say probably seven's fair. I think it's, I think, uh, I love that a creative had a chance to fully explore their own vision, whatever. I, I, yeah. I feel like I don't want to get swept up in the hype of that, though, and maybe claim that this is some of the finest work I've seen on screen yeah. in, in terms of direct uh, directorial abilities. I think a seven's very fair to say it's better than most films you're going to see, but it's not it's not sitting in the territory of the truly great films. Yeah. Can we, can we knock that down to a six just for the sheer amount of slow motion in this film? I feel like there was too much slow-mo. Well, most of it was because of the flash, and I thought it wasn't going to be a sense there. I I don't know. I feel like the stuff with the flash was only a small portion of what was in slow motion in this film. Everything happened in slow motion. It's kind of dumb, but every director is idiosyncrasies. That's just one of the more noticeable ones. <laughs> All right, a 6.5. We're going to introduce 0.5s into this system. It's our system. We can do what we like. All right. Um, writing. How do you think this film was written? I'd say, uh, I'd say I'm this is probably where it fell down for me. I, I would say this is probably the weakest part for me, at least. And um, probably, if you had released this film eight years ago, it would look much better. But there has been better written superhero movies since, and the standard of what's expected has risen. Uh, yeah, this is just pretty bog standard middle of the road writing for a superhero film. It doesn't, it doesn't elevate the material to a particularly high degree. I'd say, but yeah. it, it doesn't detract from it. I feel no, like. it's definitely not bad in the sense that, like, yeah, it, it it does everything it needs to do. But like you're saying, we now have this expectation for superhero movies to do more than that and to actually be well written movies rather than just like doing what needs to be done kind of to make the movie happen you know and yeah. um, so i think it's I, I was, just a weaker I was version sort of thinking uh where does it compare 
in terms of quality to its market. I don't like comparing things necessarily, but where does it compare to the Avengers? Because that's uh, where it's direct was going to be directly compared to by most people. Yeah. And my thinking was it doesn't stack up well against the most recent ones, obviously. That's harsh because Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame are probably together. It's that's probably the peak of the genre. And mm-hmm. I, I know it's technically a Captain America film, but Civil War was also brilliant. But yeah. I thought then you go further back, it's 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 probably actually, if you look at it completely objectively, it's a better film than the original Avengers or Avengers Edge of Ultron. I really like the original Avengers, but I would say it's it's yeah probably as good or better than Age of Ultron, uh, at least more to, interesting. In the context of um, what it means in terms of the the history of superhero films, the Avengers yeah. is a far more important film. But I would I would say I'd not watched it, but I would say comparatively, the original Avengers maybe when if you released it today. It would, it would look poor compared to what's uh, what's been released since, and and, and that's mm. not fair because can't at the time it was groundbreaking. But I'm just saying, I think if you look at it completely objectively, Justice League probably the Zack Snyder cut is probably better than uh, the first two Avengers movies. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's definitely okay. <laughs> it's definitely better than Age of Ultron. I don't. Yeah, I like Age of Ultron, but I mean. Uh, it, even at the time that was a drop in standards for marvel yeah um no i think that's fair i mean it's definitely not a bad uh superhero movie you know it doesn't it doesn't disappoint the genre or anything um so i'd say uh, i don't know a six yeah six is fair so um yeah i think that's that sounds good yeah like you say it's it definitely, it definitely does stack up to those Marvel movies. You know, it's not like it would be on the lower end, but it doesn't. It, mm. it's not like it's a, you know, it's not miles worse or anything like that. It still, it still works as a superhero film, and there's still some great moments in it. I mean, I think the highs of this movie are definitely what pull it up, but then the lows are also definitely dragging it down. So yeah. I think that's the. It was a very like extreme film you know from high to low whereas i think the marvel films definitely coast in the middle a lot more uh, uh the middle is unfair the, the higher end but you know this film was like the average was because of the two furthest points rather than lots of little middle points if that makes sense yeah. um but yeah i i i think that's that's fair all right um special effects no i <laughs> i feel like there's a mixed bag in this a <laughs> massive improvement a massive improvement over the original. Oh god, yeah, but definitely. That being said, again, I don't like doing this going back to part. It doesn't stack up well against Marvel's special effects. The thing is, it it doesn't it, even it doesn't even stack up well against itself in certain things. Like some yeah. some of the special effects in this look incredible, and then some of it is just. I mean, the Themyscira scene is what I'm thinking. Thermoscara scene, God, that's hard to say, is what I'm thinking of specifically, where Steppenwolf first attacks there and uh, they're all like riding away on the horses and everything. And some of that just looks atrocious. Some of the like scenery was uh, bad. Uh, you- <laughs> I, I wrote I wrote down a note for this. I said the Themyscira battle 
tries to look like the Battle of Baldur's Gate, uh, but instead looks like the Battle of the Five Armies from the Ho- the third Hobbit film. Have you seen the Battle of Five Armies? Yeah. The, no. the third Hobbit film? I, That's yeah, yeah. I, 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 I saw what like Com- Comfortable to is honestly the background. It, the backgrounds remind me of what they basically did. I think I talked about this last week. The in the Phantom Menace, in the Battle of Naboo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was I just rolling green hills. It's yeah. so lazy, and you can tell when that's been done. It's because they screwed the budget, and they don't have any more money or time to re- yeah. do a better background. And you could see like the armies were copy pasted CGI, which is yeah. kind of fair enough on like a really wide lens, and you've got thousands of people, but when it's like relatively close and you can almost make out their faces you can't be seeing the same person twice you know like yeah. i don't think that quite happened but it nearly did like it was so obviously cgi yeah. horses copy pasted over and over again and that yeah. was just oh i disliked that a lot <laughs> um yeah. but then you have some other really great stuff in that i think some of the some of the cgi work on like the facial reconstruction looked great and like some of those cyborg scenes and stuff. Yeah. Really the, good. And then, so I, I, yeah, it's just, it clearly, it's just a budget thing. Like you can tell what existed from previously when they had time and money compared to like, we have to add this in or we have to rush this out. Um, yeah. It's really obviously different. I thought, I thought the, the ancient battle scene was still probably didn't look overly realistic. Mm. I thought that's probably as good a big battle scene as they've done. I, I, quite yeah. liked, I thought it looked visually pretty good. I absolutely love that Zeus lightning. Uh, yeah. The way that is like the whole lower hand of his arms or lower end of his hands and arms light up when he like fires the lightning. It was just a tiny yeah. thing that I saw and I was like, oh, I really like that effect. Like that's such a cool way to do that ability. Um, yeah, I thought, so there's a tiny thing that I liked in this movie. I thought the parademons looked good, actually, in terms yeah. of special effects. And they died realistically. Like mm-hmm. Some of the ways Batman killed them looked really realistic. Like, their heads <laughs> just burst. Yeah. So I, thought, I actually thought that was quite a strong part of the CGI. I think they actually... Yeah, because I think there were certain scenes where they wasted those parademons because they looked really good and pretty creepy, like, in daylight, close up. But they used them in, like gray dark shadowy backgrounds so many times that has like oh that's yeah. a real shame because that design is really good like yeah. those, those are villains that are actually meant to be gray so it's it's fine for yeah. them it makes perfect sense and they looked really good and like really creepy um but yeah that design is really good i i um there's that scene where the, it like tears the roof off the batmobile and it's yeah. just like screams in batman's face i like that's that's proper creepy looking yeah um, actually, but yeah sorry. the fire demons look really good if I can just call it bad special effects, and this is harsh because it's TV, but I feel like if we're going to do a probably a big discussion, maybe like 10 weeks' time at the end of the series, I'll have forgotten by then. Yeah. I thought the canyon and the first episode of The Folk of the Winter Soldier looked like complete shit. Really? I, I can't say I really noticed. I Maybe... I don't know. See, I also think certain... Some of these things not- are su- suffering from like being watched at home. Uh, and because there's sometimes where like not seeing it on the big screen actually makes the quality look worse because it's like compressed or whatever yeah but maybe maybe it was just bad i thought it was a choreographed action sequence was good but yeah that background did not hold up to any scrutiny at all it looked Mm. horrible i thought i can't say i paid too much attention to it so i'll 
I'll take your word it's for it. It's a TV budget, and the rest of the episode visually looked really good. And yeah, I mean, uh, it's sort of again, it's sorry. I knew this should wait till we actually do a proper <laughs> uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon discussion, but I thought like the way they choreograph action for those series just looks so, for Marvel just looks so good. Like it look all looks real. Yeah, I would say that's one problem I had with Justice League as well. Like some of the action looked great, but I really wanted just like a scene that was a fight scene. Do you get what I mean? Compared to like just the Justice League tearing through parademons or all of them clutching onto Steppenwolf and just getting hit away. And then Steppenwolf runs runs at them and then they knock Steppenwolf across the room. That was kind of everything. I would have loved just a hand-to-hand combat scene somewhere. Like I, I love those sorts of scenes. And I know it doesn't always make sense because of who they're fighting and stuff but just a, a little moment to show off some action would have been really cool tell you what actually looked really good in terms of special effects superman's beat down and step and well yeah uh, despite how powerful they are superman's powers have always looked a bit campy and comic mm-hmm. that's the first time i've thought watching superman use his powers i thought this is a man you could be genuinely terrified of. Yeah, yeah. Steppenwolf's the big bad for the whole movie. Genuinely had no defense against these attacks. It's a bit mm-hmm. that bit where Superman lasers off the side of his face. Yeah. That <laughs> all the, looked the bit really where he's visceral. just Yeah, the bit where he's just like wheeling on him. I, I thought <laughs> it was going to turn into that, you know, the scene in uh, Sin City where he's just like punching yeah. a puddle of blood on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was kind of waiting for. <laughs> I'll tell you yeah. what, that was a, sorry. Uh, you meant I really like that. that. That's a movie that was having comic action look really good. Sin City visually is a great movie. Yeah, Sin City is a very cool movie. Um, but yeah, special effects then overall, because we have to take the good with the bad. So, what sort of score are you thinking? It probably balances out maybe like a six or something. I know we, that made me feel a bit lazy because. The other two have maybe been variations on six, but I mean, it, it is just. <laughs> I mean, that ab- is, yeah, that is that is kind of what you expect with these movies. I would say a six because, to be fair, below a five is going into what we would call bad, and I feel like there was enough good special effects in this that, like, pro- it's easy to overlook the minor special effects that actually look really good. Things like the flashes, lightning. And the like, the fact that the light actually reflects in that, and we see all of those little things, like the cyborg suit, uh, cyborg suit if, if you could call it so. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really love that design, but you can't fault the CGI in that; like, it is flawless. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it would um, even out at a six because it would be unfair they, to just pick fix, out like. Yeah, they fix Superman's face. They fix Superman's face. Um. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's fair because it yeah it would be unfair to just just be like these scenes looked awful so we're gonna give it a two because you have to you have to take into consideration that like so much of these superhero movies is CGI that like you, there would just be things you would never notice. Yeah. Um. All right. The last the last category. Well, there's two, but the last actual category is just the how much you liked it rating out of ten. Now we have to agree on a score for these. <laughs> so. This I feel like is gonna have to be just an average of, of both of us, but where are you landing on this? I think trying to 
maybe look at it objectively. As I said, I think my feelings on it are partly influenced by just how much better it is than the original. I mm. think, given the context, it is a genuinely good movie. It's not the best movie ever made. I think a very fair score, considering I came away with it, sad that they're, they're not going to make another one. I think a very fair score is seven and a half, and that cancels out our other half point. Cool. I would say, I mean, uh, after discussing and everything, I think it would be unfair for me to say I didn't like it. You know, I, I, like after everything we've said, I think there's there's no way I didn't like it. I definitely did. But it's probably as low as something could be for me to like it. So I would maybe, I think I would give it a six. So will we average it a 6.5 to cancel out our other 0. 0.5? Oh, well, if we're going to, I feel like six is harsh. I feel okay, like... Okay, well, average on a seven then. I really want to cancel out the half point. So. <laughs> um, oh, we, you can, we can give it a 0. 0.5 because we, we have the bonus as well. I already, I already had ideas for what I want to go for bonus. <laughs> right, okay. What if to shift the needle a bit? And get okay. it to a seven and a half in terms of how much you liked it. I remind you. Okay. That. Which I think you asked this and open. I thought my brain would come to something. Okay, okay. I've got it. Okay. That. <laughs> it was a victory for the people. We knew they'd been robbed of a good movie and they finally got uh, the movie that they deserved. That is that is so not the way to win me over. <laughs> I don't know if I like the whole fans demanding a movie and then them getting it. However, I did, I've just read one of my notes that this can win me over because I didn't say this, but I, one of my notes that I've ju- I just written some real superhero-y stuff happens. The example of that I've given is like, and um, whenever Wonder Woman interacts with like that kid at the start and she's like, you can be whatever you want to be. And those little scenes that like are really cheesy, but that I love about superhero movies that we that I thought we wouldn't get to see in, as you say, one of like the darkest superhero films we've seen. I didn't yeah. think we'd get some real classic stuff, even cheesy stuff like the the janitor finding the parademon. You know, like that is that's yeah. straight out of a comic book or a cartoon. Yeah, exactly. you know? Oh, I actually thought of something more compelling. I mean, yeah, the cyborg and his father storylines like a nine out of ten by itself. Surely that drags everything up a bit. Yeah, I mean, I did. Yeah, to be fair, I would I would watch this again just to watch the cyborg stuff. So I think, um, I I I can be one round on this. Seven point five. It is. You've okay. you've bested me. Look. All right. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll and then, be less. I'll be less generous than I was going to be on the bonus points. Then there's okay, okay. one specific thing I wanted a bonus point for. So, but cool. you, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, so we have we have a bonus five points then that we can offer that basically these don't contribute to what it will be out of. It'll still be out of fifty, but these are bonus points for basically things that don't fit into the other categories. Just that little missing piece of pizzazz that makes the movie that makes you enjoy it. So, um, what what do you think makes this deserve a bonus point? I, I think it deserves at least one extra bonus point for the score. I thought Hans Simmer's score was excellent. Especially yeah. Wonder Woman's. Uh, yeah, the, the score is it's really good, actually. That's fair enough. Um, 
I would say, I don't know why this makes me want to give it a bonus point. If anything, it's a bad thing about the film, but I absolutely laughed out loud whenever Aquaman dumps in the ocean <laughs> because Aquaman dumps in the ocean like three times. He, like he drinks uh, the whiskey bottle and then just smashes it on the pier with the glass to go into the ocean. Every time he takes his shirt off, he throws it into the ocean. <laughs> and yeah. just something about that, the fact that Aquaman is just dumping polyester into the seas, <laughs> it's just, it really, it, it made me laugh out loud, like the two or three times that it happened, I like genuinely laughed out loud at it. And I know it's, oh. it's not meant to be a joke, Zack Snyder probably thought absolutely nothing of it whenever he put it in, but that was that was just for me that little bit, and uh, my, I I could give it a bonus point for that. My admiration, I'll combine my admiration for the movie was gone up by even more if uh, they just played a guitar riff every time Agamal exited the scene. Really was that sort of character, <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Um, I say that extra points earned when you put in combination him calling Alfred badass. Yeah, yeah. No, I do like, I, I think, this is what I was saying about like Aquaman, I think Jason Momoa plays him really well. And when he just when he's just given normal fun stuff to do, he's such a good character. Like the things that let him down were just him being the contrarian character because it feels like you need some conflict between the team, which you don't, <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah. fine. There's, there's enough conflict whenever they like bring Superman back to life or like mm -hmm. when Cyborg is, you know, losing his mind because he's becoming a machine or whatever. Like that's yeah. enough. Con there's enough character conflict that you don't need conflict within yeah. the Justice League itself. At least to um, be fair, the, the conflict was usually somewhat logical. It's not like other movies. You could at least appreciate Aquaman's point of view with some of the stuff it's not like other movies where the contrarian is just an asshole like yeah yeah Aquaman had a point on how risky activating the Muller box was yeah uh, and to be fair it's it's much better making it Aquaman than like government guy number three yeah. you know which it usually is so that there is definitely like credit for doing that all right how many yeah. bonus points then two yeah yeah uh I think it definitely deserves that one for the music and yeah. you know ultimately movies are about entertainment so if Aquaman throwing a shirt in the ocean entertains you then it deserves a point exactly alright great well that gives us an overall score of 36 out of 50 which feels pretty that feels pretty yeah. right to me I think I'm um, glad I campaigned for the 7.5 because 36 out of 50 feels very fair to me yeah I think that feels that feels fair and yeah I, I feel like the stuff that I was picking out that I didn't like about this movie was nitpicky stuff that like it as much as it annoyed me it was like it was fun for me to be annoyed by that stuff if you get what I mean yeah. it wasn't yeah. it didn't make me hate this film and it didn't I didn't dislike any of it it was little things where I was like god this flash is so annoying and I hate him but there's enough good stuff in this movie that I'm like I, I quite enjoy disliking this character at the same time. Yeah. As much as you're not meant to. Yeah. Like the same way that, you know, lots of films have a villain that you're meant to dislike and it's fun to dislike the villain. It was just fun for me to dislike one of the heroes, whether, you know, and whether that was meant to happen or not, which I, I assume it wasn't, but um, it's still, it's still fun to dislike it. So yeah, I can't really, I can't really fault it for that. I feel like throughout the movie, it earned enough good faith through its good scenes 
to excuse its bad scenes. You know, that was a problem with Justice League. Like, the scenes that were good weren't good enough to excuse bad scenes, whereas this movie was more good than bad, absolutely. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, like, yeah, a lot of the bad things are easy to dismiss. Like, bad special effects you can dismiss because uh, as much as they are they look bad i'm never really a big one for like that's gonna ruin a movie for me i feel like it's just special effects are just lower down the list of like the things that i like in a movie it's you know plot characters scenes that look cool and then whether the cgi is good or not you know i'm I'm happy to kind of suspend disbelief a bit or for something to just look a bit dodgy i don't really mind that as much as i would mind if the characters were awful so i think it's it, it it was yeah it was just it was stronger than it was weaker so that's a that's a good score overall i'm happy with that um big big long episode but i knew we would be talking about that for a while so uh let's move quickly into our our next little segment before we finish up our next segment of course is have you seen this this is where we talk about what we've been watching or doing throughout the week and we just have a, a brief chat about it this week i think um however look have you seen, which I, I know you have, <laughs> since we talked about it, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yes, I did watch The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Is there uh, a new I episode would... out yet? There is a new episode out, which I, I oh, watched earlier it. today. It oh. is exquisite. Such a good episode. Um, I would love to have been able to talk about something else, but this week, the Snyder Cut and that is all I've watched. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. Obviously, we'll probably do an episode on it whenever it's all released so i don't want to talk about it every week but that's what i've been watching it's it's still very good (laughs) Uh, and yeah it's a great episode i think this week we get a little bit more action this week a little bit more of a more action heavy episode which is very very good um and but apart from that the character stuff is still great and yeah i just um i'm really liking this series i think maybe even more than i did wandavision just because it's more more into the sort of genre that I like. I mean, I love the Captain America movies are probably my favorite of the Marvel movies, you know, like Winter mm-hmm. Soldier and Civil War, especially. Um, and this very much has that same tone and that same style, which like, I know it's not the Russo brothers, but it's clearly that uh, influence is still very much there. Uh, and I just, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. So big thumbs yeah. up from me. Uh, what have you been watching? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll just say something quickly. Oh, yeah, sorry. I looked in the Winter Soldier because I really enjoyed the first episode. There's something, something really reassuring about how consistent the quality of Marvel stuff is. <laughs> I, I mean, sorry if I came off a bit fanboyish about Justice League at points, but ultimately, as the characters, I like DC more. Uh, Batman is, in terms of superheroes, is my childhood. I love Batman, my absolute all-time favourite superhero. So, but it's so so (laughs) anxiety-inducing having to worry about any new DC release thinking, oh, just please be good. Whereas Marvel, (laughs) I love Marvel. Only, like, I mean, it's it's like trying to pick a favourite child, to be fair. I only love DC a little bit more, just like your parents might love one of your siblings a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's more it's more just that like you're you know both children are your favorite but one of them never gets detentions and the other one's in detention every other week 
And when there's a week with no detentions, it's it makes you like that child a little bit more. Not that you like either one less, but it's nice when that child doesn't have a detention that week or when that child doesn't come home with muck on their face, whereas the other child is always clean and never gets detention. So it's it's not that either one is your favorite, but just one is more polished. Yeah, it it, it feels it's so it's so nice when they surpass those standards. But anyway, yes, I I just love that I don't have to worry about I can just watch a Marvel thing and I know it's going to be good but yeah this is good it's like I have actually if I'd known there was a new episode I would have watched it I, I've been waiting all week for this new episode because it, it, it instantly got sent to me I, the the characterization I feel like that's a word <laughs> a lot like characterization I and mean, <laughs> I recognise it's one of those words that makes it sound like I'm someone trying to sound like they know a lot about movies but you know they don't actually know a lot but yeah anyway the the winter soldier and falcon are probably two characters that are very interesting but haven't gotten a lot of screen time necessarily before in non-action scenes so everyone always knew there was going to be interesting stuff to explore about those two characters and they've been really well written uh especially They've done the winter. One of the best written scenes was that one where the went uh, Bucky's talking to a psychologist. That was yeah. so well written. And I, I, I didn't recognize her, but whoever was playing the psychiatrist played her role really well as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yes. no, she she makes it. She makes a reappearance in this episode. That's not really a spoiler, but she makes a reappearance, mm-hmm. and it was it was very good to see her again. Um, because yeah. yeah, that is such a good performance. Yeah, so anyway, I should probably talk. Basically, <laughs> Falcon the Winter Soldier was, uh, and um, Justice League was mainly what I watched this week. But I actually thought you were talking about improv. Uh, someone I've been watching a lot uh, recently. So, have you seen Whose Line Is It Anyway? I have seen Whose Line Is It Anyway. I love it. It's a great show. Yeah. Excellent. Anyway, so on Dave, I think at the moment, uh, great channel actually to be fair I, one of the, me and Wads I'd love to be on someday because it just all their programs are so fun yeah. uh, but anyway at the moment they're showing uh, episodes from the American TV show Whose Line Is It Anyway for people who don't know it's based on an original British version but it's basically an improv panel show uh, contest, uh, it's Three regular comedians, Ryan Stiles, Colin Bockery, and Wayne Brady, uh, plus one guest comedian every week. And sometimes they also have a celebrity guest who joins in in some of the games. But the games are all just basically vehicles for comedy. They're given a scenario and they have to do improv around it. And I have to say, improv is something I don't know how these guys do and do it yeah. consistently so well. They are so funny. Yeah, um, it is incredible. Just like to me, I feel like if I was going to try improv, I would consider it a success whenever I did something that just made sense. Like yeah. the the idea of actually making it funny is like that is 10 levels higher than what I would be aiming for if I tried to do improv yeah. now. So the idea that they can do it and make it hilariously funny is so insane to me. Yeah. Oh, and the improvised songs 
it's one thing to do improvised dialogue. Improvising a song is incredible to me. And I know there's ways you can train yourself to uh, be better at it, but imagine just asking the average person to make a song up on the spot. You wouldn't have a chance. <laughs> now that is a good idea for a TV show. Now you're talking, look. Where's where's the BBC? Someone get ITV on the phone. Embarrassing <laughs> regular people by putting them into these suggestions would be quite funny. But it's like it's it's almost like have you ever heard the idea that you put an average person into each Olympic event just to as uh, so you can get a barometer of how ridiculous the athletes you're mm. watching is because it's hard to lose you yeah. sometimes lose perspective like a guy finishes last in his heat in the Olympics and you think he's slow as yeah. me. I yeah, mean, like you when you when you see him bolt blast sight in front of everyone else, the guy who's in last looks like he's jogging. But if you put if you put a normal person up against them, or even just even just a normal runner up against them, it's gonna yeah. look ridiculous. Yeah. So that's almost like the thing. You put a regular person in with these comedians, yeah. You get an idea of just how hard it is. But anyway, I just love it. It's such a funny show. And I'll tell you what, it's it's a the humor can be a little bit dirty, but it's like sort of um, in a cheeky way. It's not like rude or anything. So, I mean, I watch yeah. it with my parents. Um, yeah. So, it's just a great watch. And I also have to give credit to the host, Aisha Tyler. Um, mm. There's there's always something great about a host on a panel show. You can just muck in and hold their own against the comedians. Yeah, yeah. And she's really good at that. She's Definitely. Really funny as well uh yeah i think there's like there's just certain hosts like that who you just who will always be remembered especially in those like comedy type shows like so you know like stephen fry on qi or dio yeah. brain on mock the week that like they're the host but they're not just they're not there as a vehicle for the show to happen they're there because they share the same talents as the guests yeah. um so it's yeah those, those sorts of hosts will definitely always be like held in high regard as far as i'm concerned yeah and i'll tell you what's brilliant um sometimes the celebrity guests i don't know how they choose them but they always get someone who wants to get stuck in because uh the, the comedians obviously do a lot of heavy lifting for them it's not really like the guests are improvising that much but mm. um they're always game for it and i think that's great to see yeah definitely being a good sport just makes any kind of guest appearance always is so much better whenever people just either want to be there or at the very least act like they want to be there. There's yeah. nothing worse than a guest appearing on a show and just not doing anything the whole time. It, it just, it makes it fall okay. so much flatter. <laughs> Is that, you know what, I'll tell you what's a great example of it. It's a video series I really like. It's, I think it's from a late night show in America, but celebrities read mean tweets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so good. much funnier when the celebrity either laughs at it because I mean I feel like that's what I do. I'm yeah. capable of taking those things seriously, <laughs> or comes up with a funny response. It's kind yeah. of just boring when they like read the tweet. I mean, yeah. I mean it's just a just... reaction, but when they just read the tweet and sort of look confused or annoyed at it, it's like okay, no, say <laughs> something funny. Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, take it on the chin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, because some of those celebrities meet, read mean tweets. God, that's hard to say as well. And my tongue's getting twisted tonight. Um, some of those, some of those are so funny. Those videos, like yeah. if you get a good, uh, a good celebrity on, they are really, really funny. Um, I actually think singers usually this 
versions with singers usually take it the best because I think just with the way the music industry works, I think I feel like yeah. if you're a musician, you just have to get used to criticism so it doesn't really bother you. So some of them take it on the chin really well yeah. and come up and with the funniest responses. Yeah, and if you're used to being on stage as well, you're probably used to like some kind of interaction, whether it's good or bad, you'll still be used to having some kind of back and forth and like interacting with real people compared to like acting where you're sort of it's uh there's no normal people around you <laughs> if that makes sense yeah, yeah you exist in a bubble a bit yeah yeah uh but yeah those videos are super funny um yeah. but i think that that just about does us look very long episode <laughs> this week but yeah um, I... we of course had a lot to say and i'm not surprised we ran on a bit talking well, about it was that. always it was always going to be a milestone episode for the podcast, uh, realistically, Definitely. with how much we've been speaking about this movie in the yeah, build-up. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if you, if you add it in every other time we've talked about the Snyder Cut, it's probably, uh, most, of, <laughs> it's probably most of the time we spent talking. It's longer than the Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, no. We, we've, it, become the, some... we've become that which we swore to destroy. <laughs> you put some snippets of this podcast in slow motion so the audience can really <laughs> appreciate what they're <laughs> that's the, the weird thing about slow motion it feels more like it's for the benefit of the filmmakers sort of like look at this look how cool this is you see what yeah. <laughs> i might i might make the uh the thumbnail for this week's episode i might just like mute the colors slightly uh <laughs> put that up instead um guys if this is all uh edited down it wasn't me uh released the look cut oh my god <laughs> no <laughs> that'll be ep- episode 100 i i will release the unedited cut of this episode which is just the same I episode do- but worse it's just gonna be longer <laughs> silences and awkward pauses or us and the toilet break and, uh, yeah, the toilet break. <laughs> but yeah if the fans want it episode 100 release the look cut <laughs> Also, reset like the out when I say something inappropriate by accident. So yeah, which is like uh, every two minutes. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I like the I like the idea that the look cut in inverted commas is just this podcast unedited. That like the idea that when when you have to edit this, it just gets posted reg- with no cuts. Please, <laughs> please never leave the podcast. I can't do the edit. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever leave, you'll just need to get. The whoever replaces me will also need to be able to edit. Yeah. Um, but yes, that that just about wraps us up. So you have been listening to the Crack and Banter podcast uh, with me, Reese, and Luke Mackay. Uh, hope you've enjoyed this bumper episode. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, please give us a like and follow. Share the podcast if you can. Tell a friend. Uh, you can find us on our social media, Crack and Banter Pod. Um, you can get us on Gmail, crackandbanderpod at gmail.com if you want to get us there. Instagram, Twitter, uh, subreddit, Crack and Banter Podcast. You'll be able to find us there and links to everything else will be there as well. So thanks very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Luke, do you want to close us out? Yes. Thank you for listening to the Crack and Banter Podcast. Uh, Reese was played by Ben Affleck. Luke was played by Matt Damon. It was directed by... Uh, Woody Harrelson in conjunction with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I'm not responsible for anything said in the podcast. All legal action must be directed towards Reese. And remember to tune in next week. See you later. All right, all right, all right. See you next week, guys. <laughs> Goodbye.
Thank you.